Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We, uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time now. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Whether you are gathered with us here in the room or whether you're gathering with us online, we believe that that's true, that the Lord is with us when we gather together to worship him. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you, especially at this time of year as we are reminded that, Lord Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for meeting us right here, right now, uh, as we center our hearts and our thoughts on you. Uh, we come hoping uh, that, that we will have a chance to connect with you that the God of the universe might look our way and might speak, that you might hear and receive the songs that we sing, that you might, uh, you might hear and respond to the prayers that we pray, that you would speak to us through the scriptures and that we might meet you at your table in all that we do today. God, please, uh, could we have a sense of connecting with you? Uh, we believe, God, that you are always with us, uh, but you know that we need reminded of that. We need to feel that sometimes. And so I pray that today, uh, you know we've got folks coming from all sorts of different directions and all sorts of different life circumstances. And, and uh, <clears throat> so, God, you know we need uh, that reminder of your love, of your grace, of your presence here with us. Uh, so would you meet us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, if you're here in the room, if you're interested and able, let's stand and let's sing.
stories in the Bible from the book of John uh, verses uh, 1 through 5 chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it Love, love, we love you. 
for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Pray with me, will you? Father, on this Sunday of love, this Advent Sunday, Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you for the love that was so deep and so eternal that you had for humanity, that you sent your one and only Son. And Lord, on this Love Sunday of Advent, we thank you for that love once again. Lord, we worship you. We give you honor and glory and praise for the love that you have shown us, that you have lavished on us so that we may be called your sons and your daughters. Lord, I thank you for gathering us here this morning. I thank you for each person here, people who have brought in victories and, and rejoicing this week and people who have come with struggles and hardships and heartache. Lord, but we still are gathered here in your presence, in your name, and we worship you because you alone are worthy of all of the praise that we could ever give for all of eternity with all of our hearts. So be with us, Lord. Remind us, Lord, this morning of the season that we're in and why we're here and, and why we celebrate Advent and Christmas and your coming because it looks and points forward to the time that you gave your life to redeem us. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word this morning. Be with each and every person that their hearts would be open to hearing your message. We pray these things in your awesome and mighty name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Go ahead and wave. Numbers are going up, so we're sticking to waving. So we're going to just um, say hello as Pastor Rich comes forward with some announcements. Yeah. Announcements first and then a message and yeah. So thank you, musicians. It was uh, wonderful to have you guys leading us this morning, and uh, especially nice to have Anna Lee home for our Christmas break and back on keys and vocals, and yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, just the, by way of quick announcements, uh, there is a chance, um, you can go online to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out that little digital connect card, you can give online as well. Those of you in the room, of course, you can just uh, drop a gift back in the offering box, and you can grab one of those little cards back there, and uh, and and let us know you're with us, how we can pray for you, all that good stuff, and you can drop that in that box as well. Uh, while you're giving, uh, there is still a chance through the end of the year to give to Habitat, if you want to hit the little drop down and give to Habitat, or you can give to uh, the Good Neighbor Fund, the Warm a Home Fund, or uh, out in the foyer, there's that little tree with all the little ornaments that look like a house, and uh, I just grabbed mine uh, this last week so I could put a check in there uh, to first contact to help our neighbors, uh, folks in the community who aren't a part of our church. If you're part of our church, you can get help from first contact too, but you can also come to us, there's money set aside in a fund called the Acts 4 Fund. You can read Acts 4 to see why we called it that. And uh, we have people all the time from church that come needing help with this or that. And so we've got money that some of you have donated to that fund that we have to give to that. But then folks who don't have a church or uh, aren't connected to our church, we, uh, we refer them to First Contact because that's a great resource in the community. And we want to make sure that people have one place they can go instead of having to go to 20 churches. So if you want to help some neighbors keep the heat on or keep their rent paid or their medicine purchased or whatever, uh, you, can, you can do that. You can grab one of those, give to First Contact, or you can do that online as well. Uh, <clears throat> there is, uh, I did want to make sure you knew there's a chance to help with the disaster response uh, for the tornadoes down in Kentucky. Um, 
you can, uh, you can go to a church Facebook page, or if you go to just our church page, livinghope.info, down in the bottom right corner, there's a little link for disaster relief. And uh, there's a link there to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. You can give uh, directly to them, or you can, uh, if you want, today, in a hurry, you can go, there's a, uh, what do they call these buckets that you fill? There's a name for them, I feel like. But uh, there's going to be a truck leaving Valparaiso uh, tomorrow afternoon. And you can go, there's a list of the needed items there. You can get like a five-gallon bucket with a lid, and you can fill it with like the paper towels and the cleaning supplies and all that stuff. There's a list there of the things they need. If you want, you can go buy all that, pack it together, drop it off over at Valparaiso Nazarene Church, um, either this afternoon or tomorrow. The times are there on the website. And uh, so if you want to do that, if that's the kind of thing that you want to help with in that practical, tangible way, you can do that. Or you can give financially to, to help the folks who are already there have the resources they need to help folks who are, uh, who are digging out. So we're part of the Church of the Nazarene, and there are churches of the Nazarene all over the place. So there are some right there in the hardest hit areas. I was just reading this last week. One of our churches there is being used as a, uh, was it a Red Cross Center, I think? It's just an emergency place for people to get help uh, because they're there, and their building wasn't hit, and so they're able to do that. Uh, also, of course, this week we've got the Blues Project concert happening on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. It's a $10 suggested donation, but you can give as much as you want. It's going to uh, Family Promise. It's not going to us at the church. That's the, the teens are giving that money to Family Promise, the group that we just worked with a couple weeks ago to shelter a family here, and uh, they're continuing to shelter families uh, each week in a different church. And so we'd love to have you here Tuesday night, and then also uh, Christmas Eve is right around the corner on, uh, on Friday. We're going to be here for our candlelight service, and uh, we'll have the Christmas carols and the Christmas story and celebrate communion. And, and if we have cookies, we'll give away cookies at the end to, to have you take them. I don't know if any of you are going to make cookies this year. I haven't heard from a lot of you saying like, oh, I can't wait to bring Christmas cookies. But if you want to make Christmas cookies, then we will have to-go boxes after the Christmas Eve service uh, packed with them with a little note from the church just saying Merry Christmas. And the, they're there for you to take to someone to, uh, <clears throat> to, to bring them a little Christmas cheer, especially people who maybe have to work on the holiday or that kind of a thing. Um, so if you're interested in making cookies for that, uh, just let us know that you're doing it and we'll work out a time this week for have you drop them off. I know Deb's going to be here her usual Monday, Wednesday, Friday from like 9.30 to noon and, um, and there are other times that we can, we can coordinate something. Even if you're bringing them earlier on Christmas Eve, we can still get them packed up and, uh, and ready to go. So before we get into this morning's message, we have one more Advent candle we need to light. Come on up, Becca. Um, Becca Belfast is going to read for us, uh, lead us in this uh, Advent candle reading and I hope I don't break this as I Okay, you might just have to grab that to make it tall enough for you. But please, lead us. We light the candle of, ad candle of love as we reflect on these words. For God so loved the world that he God sent his one and only Son. We remember the faithful love of God. We remember Mary's song this morning and how she reflected on and responded to her love for God and God's work in the world. With Mary, we reflect on the faithfulness of God throughout history to care for the people of God. We reflect on the truth that Zachariah was silenced while a humble virgin teenager was allowed to sing. It upset the normal systems and elevated the voice of a peasant. This is a reminder to us that the kingdom of God looks different that the symbol, than the symbols of the world. May we live lives that reflect the kingdom of God, where the voices of the oppressed are elevated, while those in power are humbled. We are guided on a journey of seeking out the places where God is at work in unusual ways. We open our ears to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in unexpected places. 
May we faithfully set aside our preconceived ideas and judgments to truly hear the voice of God in the world. With the love of God in our hearts, we, may we work to see the love of God at work in the world. God, God's love embraces all the people regardless of background, race, ethnicity, gender, or any other category we place upon others. May we remember the love that God is extending to all and live out that love to the world around us, especially to those so often overlooked by the world. Thank you, Becca. Becca is uh, one of our one of our teens here, part of the youth group, and and uh, very involved. You will, if you come Tuesday night, you will see her. She will be here. Probably, I don't know if you'll be. Uh, I don't know if she'll be selling stuff, selling baked goods, or if she'll be collecting your donations at the door. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have uh, folks of all ages involved in the life of the church. And. Uh, Oh, where am I? There, there we go. Uh, just in order to say, too, if you didn't grab one of these, we, we ended up with about 10 of these left. So if you still want one of these little devotional guides, there's still a few days left until, until Christmas. Like the last one is on, is on Christmas Eve uh, on Friday. So uh, feel free to take one of those with you uh, so they don't just collect dust on our shelves. But you've got some notes here for this morning's message. And, and as we just said in that uh, Advent candle reading, uh, the theme today is love. And we are looking at, um, at a Christmas carol, kind of. Um, I heard somebody say that if more Christmas carols were written by mothers, that there wouldn't be so many songs about silent nights and babies that don't cry and that sort of thing. And that's, that's probably true. Uh, we do have in Scripture a song written by the mother of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, it's often called the Magnificat, Magnificat, Magnific something. And uh, it's a Latin word because early in the, it's like the first word when I mean, they translated it into Latin about uh, my soul glorifying the Lord or praising the Lord. And uh, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, they, they pray this prayer regularly. In fact, I just read it's part of their, like for those who pray different times throughout the day, set prayers, that it's like a daily prayer for them in the evening because it talks about how God does this amazing work kind of in the evening time of human history that God shows up before it's too late uh, to bring his salvation. And, and uh, so this song uh, that Mary sings that we have here is, uh, um, it's an unusual one. Um, I've, I've heard it called a love song. I guess this is the love week. And so you could look at it as a love song. But if it is a love song, it's not the kind we're used to, right? It's not sappy and sentimental and, you know, uh, doe-eyed and all that kind of stuff. It is, I mean, it is uh, <laughs> kind of the opposite of that. It is, it is clear-eyed and excited about the work that God is doing in the world to, to turn things right side up, to turn, to turn some things that have been upside down right side up. So to a lot of us, it's going to feel like God's turning the world upside down. But, uh, but Mary's excited about it. And uh, we don't hear a lot of... I guess I don't hear as many love songs these days, um, like on the radio or that kind of thing. It seems like the more popular songs are the, the breakup songs uh, than, the, than the love songs uh, or the, the song about a breakup that happened years ago and still feeling maudlin about it or, or whatever. And, um, I, you know, maybe there's some breakup aspect to this song, too. We'll, we'll see when we, when we look at it. Um, but before we get there, we already mentioned in the reading that this chapter is unusual because we have the people you'd expect to be speaking for God silenced. While the people you wouldn't expect to speak for God get to speak up, and their voices are elevated. Uh, we, we see at the very beginning of what we've got here in our notes from Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 39. These are the scriptures given to us today that we share with Christians around the world. It says, Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. This is right after the angel Gabriel has told her she's going to give birth to the Messiah. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, uh, oh, hang on a second. You know what? We've got we to back up a little bit from there, don't we? Because we're already halfway through this chapter, and you don't know who Elizabeth is or Zechariah is or any of that kind of stuff, right? These are strangers to you. Um, when we start the story, when Luke starts his story, he starts with this priest named Zechariah. Oh, he and his wife Elizabeth are getting up there in years. They never had kids. He's serving in the temple because it's his turn, and an angel meets him there in the temple, which is, I guess, kind of where you'd expect an angel to meet you, right? You, you show up at the, at the place of worship, and, and, you know, God speaks. Okay, so an angel speaks to Zechariah and says, guess what? Surprise, uh, your wife is going to have a child. You're going to name him John. He's going to help prepare the way for the Lord, um, and it's... John the Baptist. These are John the Baptist's parents. We've been reading about John the Baptist in these, these weeks leading up to this. Uh, this. This is his folks. His dad was a priest in the temple, and they were older parents. They were to the place where they had decided that it looked like that just wasn't going to happen for them, right? They just weren't going to have kids. And Zechariah, the religious guy who's supposed to be, you know, the guy that you'd think would speak for God, and the guy you'd think when God shows up and, and speaks that he would believe God, Zechariah, like, expresses doubt about this whole thing. Like, are you sure? How can, you, how can I be sure about this? My wife and I are getting up there in years, you know. And the angel says, oh, don't, don't you worry about that. God's going to make this happen, but because you didn't trust him, you're not going to get to speak until this all happens. And sure enough, Zechariah doesn't speak for, I guess it would be months, right? Uh, so 10 months or so until this baby is born and named. And, uh, and so the person that you'd expect might be the one speaking for God. He works at the temple in Jerusalem, the capital city uh, of, uh, of, the, of the nation of Israel, is silenced. His wife, however, gets to speak. So at this point now, Mary has been met by an angel, and she has her questions too. How is this going to happen? I'm supposed to have a child. You know, you know, Joseph and I aren't married yet. We haven't, uh, haven't had sexual relations yet. With How am I supposed to have a kid? And, uh, and the angel says, oh, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, oh, I should mention the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came up in what we just read, comes up in what uh, Gabriel says to Mary. The Holy Spirit is going to you know, take, the, take the lead in this conception here. And the Holy Spirit was mentioned in what the, prophet, in what the angel said to Zechariah. He said, your son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even, even in the womb, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your son, John. And so we, we hear it promised for John, to John's dad-to-be. Uh, we hear that the Holy Spirit's going to, to lead to Mary's conception of, of the Messiah. And then, in what we just started to read, Elizabeth is the first person that we, that we hear in Luke's gospel that is filled with the Holy Spirit which is interesting to me, because Luke is the same guy that, Luke wrote this gospel, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these four versions of the, of the story of Jesus, and then Luke's the one that wrote the sequel, the book of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, which early on there in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit's poured out on all believers, given to all people, and they see this as an answer to God's promise from, from way back. So the Holy Spirit's like a big deal to Luke. And in Luke, the very first person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks by the Holy Spirit is Elizabeth. An older woman who now is, uh, I don't know, five or six months pregnant, I think, as you read the story. So Luke is like making very clear to us, God speaks and God moves in places that you might not expect. The, the religious leaders might be doubtful, but, uh, but man, his wife, she's full of faith. And so where were we? Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. Uh, the child leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. So at this point, Mary must already, you know, be pregnant. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill the promises he made to her. Happy or blessed, another translation might say. 
Blessed are you. You have believed that the Lord will fulfill the promises that he made to you. Mary's this wonderful example of someone who trusts God. Even when God comes with a calling that is unexpected, comes saying like, hey, guess what? <laughs> You're going to be used in a way you didn't, you didn't anticipate. Uh, God is at work in your life and through you to bless the world. And man, I, I, I would much rather, you know, the models being given to us in this chapter, I would much rather be like Elizabeth or like Mary than like Zechariah, which is a little hard for me to say, right? I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm like, I'm more like Zechariah right? I'm, I'm the religious professional, you know? I'm, I'm the guy who's supposed to be trusting God all the time. I, I hopefully live in a way that other people can look at me and say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, you know, you know, live like Rich does or something. At least the Apostle Paul said at some point, you know, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I think, oh, I should, I should do the same, right? I should set an example for others. We all should set an example for others. The example I want to follow in this story is that of Mary, is that of Elizabeth, the, the peasant from the small town, not the, the priest from the capital. She's the one who believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. And so then Mary has a song. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. Magnificat, the, the Latin word there for the glorify part. With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, at this point, she's, this is kind of the, it's kind of, I guess you could see the love song aspect to it, right? She's talking about what God has done for her, that God has noticed her, that God is her savior. There's a lot of, you know, my language, God has noticed me in my low status. He's, he's favored me. God sees me and he knows me. And I hope we all live with that kind of awareness, right? That God sees you and notices you, that God favors you. Uh, because while this is a special favor, of course, for Mary, uh, the Bible is very clear that God looks at and loves each and every one of us, that God knows your name, God knows your circumstances, that there's not a single one of us that escapes his gaze, and that his gaze is a loving one. It's not that God sees you and gets angry and wants to squish you like a bug. You know, that when the Bible is real clear that even when we have sinned and sinned grievously, when we have hurt ourselves, when we've hurt the people around us, when God looks at us, there might be some sadness in his eyes for the consequences that we're having to bear for the, our decisions, for the ways that we've lived, but, but that sadness is, is also filled with compassion. It's filled with a desire for, for us to turn to him, to, to receive healing from him and forgiveness from him and, and grace from him so that he can be at work in our lives to, to change that. As we do what John the Baptist has been calling us to these last couple of weeks, as we repent, as we, as we turn from a life of selfishness and turn toward God, but it's because God sees us and knows us and reaches out to us. And Mary's aware of that, aware of how much God loves her. And there's this response of praise and glorifying God, rejoicing, experiencing joy in God, her Savior. So I can see the love, the love song part of this, I suppose, at this point. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. The rest of that doesn't sound quite so much like a love song. Uh, you know, it's how God has, has pulled down rulers from their thrones and has sent the rich away empty-handed while, while elevating the, the lowly and, and feeding the hungry. Um, 
but it's definitely an expression of God's love, right? This is, this is God's love at work in the world. When God's love comes and sees you know, huge disparities between people, when God's love shows up and sees, wait, these people are in need and you have extra and you're not helping them? God in his love says, well, this has got to change, right? You, you don't, evidently don't deserve that spot of authority you've been given. You, know, you evidently shouldn't be on that throne. You need to be sharing with these folks. I'm going to make sure they have what they need. I'm going to feed the hungry. I'm going to lift up the lowly. When God shows up, it's his love that leads to these kinds of changes that he makes in the world. But this is where it feels maybe like a little bit like a breakup song to me because, um, because we, we can be pretty enamored with the way things are, right, with the status quo. Sometimes we can be pretty happy with how things work, with our own position of authority or our own position of, of wealth or privilege or, you know, having what we have. Uh, we, can, we can sometimes get a little arrogant or a little proud, right? Or at the very least, we kind of like the system the way it is. And we don't necessarily want God coming and messing that up, right? We don't want God showing up and, like, turning tables over. God showing up and, and giving a voice to people who have been voiceless because we, we like the voice that we have. And here I am speaking again as a person with a microphone right up in front of everybody, right? Maybe there needs to be a bit of a breakup that happens where we, where we make a break with the systems of this world, where we make a break with the, the status quo, if the status quo is broken, if the status quo is not doing the work that God wants done, if the kingdoms of this world don't re reflect the kingdom of our God, then maybe we shouldn't be quite so attached as we sometimes can be to the kingdoms of this world, to the systems of this world, to the way things work. Maybe we should be a little more enamored with the kingdom of God. Maybe that should be our model. Again, instead of maybe looking up to the people we've typically looked up to or listening to the voices we've typically listened to. Maybe we need to be listening to some voices where God might be speaking from unexpected directions. I mentioned this at the beginning of Advent as we were looking at John the Baptist being out in the wilderness and, and the, the word of God comes to John out there in the wilderness, God speaking from the margins. And here we have that happening again. You know, again, it's the, it's the guy who you'd think you'd listen, go to listen to, right? A bunch of you folks showed up today hoping that Rich would have something good to say, right? Um, hoping that the pastor would have something helpful. And, uh, and frankly, I feel like the best stuff that we heard today is probably the, the things that Becca led us in, in hearing and reading in this Advent candle reading. I just want to read some of that again that you might have skipped too quickly over. You know, we... What did it say? We, uh, we reflect on the faithfulness of God throughout history to care for the people of God. We reflect on the truth that Zechariah was silenced while a humble virgin teenager was allowed to sing. It upset the normal systems, elevated the voice of a peasant. This is a reminder to us that the kingdom of God looks different than the systems of the world. And we all said together, at least many of us did, may we live lives that reflect the kingdom of God where the voices of the oppressed are elevated while those in power are humbled. I don't know how many of you, uh, like, I don't know who you listen to. Um, I don't really watch much TV. I know for some of you it's still it's TV and you have, you know, that channel or those, those particular shows that you like to watch, you know, you know, on cable news or whatever, and you have your favorite pundit or your favorite person that comes on and kind of talks about how the world is going and that kind of a thing. For me, it's mostly podcasts uh, because I can listen to them while I'm walking the dog or while I'm doing whatever I need to do, driving, that kind of a thing. It's a little easier for me to, uh, to listen to things that way. And 
uh, I became aware sometime last year, I guess it was, probably in the midst of 2020, um, that like, who is it that I'm listening to? Are there some voices I've just not been listening to at all? And at the time, I was thinking especially of kind of racial issues and some of the tensions that were taking place around the country and realized that, like, man, almost all the voices that, that enter into my ears through my little ear pods as I'm walking around are white voices. I'm not listening to many of my black brothers and sisters. Huh, but there are, they've got some great podcasts. There's a people out there that are talking that I should be listening to. I should be hearing their stories. And, I, and so I found a few of those. And, and here I am, like, you know, a year and a half later from that, and I'm realizing those podcasts are still on my feed, but I... I don't listen to them as often as I used to. I don't, just confession, you know, I don't listen to them as, as much as I, as I once was. It's so easy for us to just keep listening to the people that are like us, who see the world like us already, who confirm our own um, suspicions about the world, our convictions about the world, our opinions, our perspective. That's natural human tendency for us to listen to people who are like us and to, to let that shape our, our perspective. It, it confirms our biases. <laughs> It's a good thing to listen for the folks who are coming from a direction that we're not coming from. It's a good thing not just to listen to the preachers up front like me, not just to listen to Zechariah who was God saw fit to silence for months while the humble virgin teenager was allowed to sing. May we live lives that reflect the kingdom of God where the voices of the oppressed are elevated while those in power are humbled. Um, Becca said, we are guided on a journey of seeking out the places where God is at work in unusual ways. We open our ears to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in unexpected places. And we said, may we faithfully set aside our preconceived ideas and judgments to truly hear the voice of God in the world. I don't know about you, but I want to hear God speaking, right? I imagine you don't want to just, you don't show up on Sunday just because you think, like, rich is entertaining or something. You know, not not because you're, like, rich fans. You're here because you want to hear from God. You're hoping that somewhere hidden in all the mess that I bring is some word from God for you today, right? Some connection, something that as you leave, you're like, oh, you know what, thank you, God. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. There was only one sentence. He spoke a lot, but, you know, but he got that one thing out at least that, that you spoke to me through. Or at least he read that one verse, and I felt like as, as we read that verse, God, you were, you were there, you were speaking. I want to hear the voice of God. And the voice of God isn't only spoken here on Sunday mornings. The voice of God in the world, speaking in unexpected places, sometimes coming at us from directions we, we aren't expecting. And so, Becca led us saying, with the love of God in our hearts, may we work to see the love of God at work in the world. God's love embraces all people, regardless of background, race, ethnicity, gender, any other category we place upon others. And we said, may we remember the love that God's extending to all and live out that love to the world around us, especially to those so often overlooked by the world. Amen. This is what Mary sings, announcing. She is rejoicing that God is at work, that God is at work upsetting the apple cart, turning over the tables, um, pulling down the powerful, sending the wealthy away empty, and filling the hungry with good things, coming to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors. And she reaches back to promises God has made thousands of years earlier to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants repeatedly throughout the years. That's a reminder to us as well that even though God is at work, and even though God is at work doing amazing things in unexpected ways, it does not always happen on our timetable, does it? Some of you today are like, yep, I've been waiting. I've been hoping. I've been trusting that God is going to come through just like he has in the past. And sometimes it 
takes a lot longer than we would like for things to develop, for, for those promises to be fulfilled. She's reaching all the way back to Abraham and Abraham's descendants and promises that God had made to Abraham of what he would eventually do. And sure enough, finally, here, God is beginning to do that in her son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. This is her love song to God. This is her acknowledgement of God's love at work in the world. This is a voice that, that uh, thankfully has been elevated. The voice of this peasant girl has been elevated so that we all see it. We all <laughs> read it at least, and some of us pray it on a regular basis. I say some of us, not, not me. Some, some of our brothers and sisters pray this on a regular basis, reminded of God's, work at world, uh, God's love at work in the world. His mercy shown to everyone. His strength of his arm on display. And again, not to, hmm, that's what I wanted to say there. Uh, actually, we can, we can go ahead and read that last verse from John chapter 3 um, that's there in your notes. We're a little familiar with these two verses, I think. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I figured we probably should at least include in this morning's message that if you do find yourself, you know, as you, as you kind of hear Mary's song and you hear what God is doing in the world through Jesus, as you hear that he is kind of turning our current power structures upside down, as you hear that God is going to pull down the, the, the powerful and the rich and going to elevate the lowly and, and fill the hungry with good things, I, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know where that hits you. Some of you may be saying, like, yes, finally, I've been hungry. I need to be filled with good things. Yes, I've been lowly. And to think that God sees me and notices me and will elevate me is a beautiful thing. Praise God. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. You, you start praising God along with Mary as you hear those words. Some of you might be on the other side of that. Like I said, might need to sing a breakup song to the power structures of this world. I might need to acknowledge it. Okay, I'm going to need to let go of some things. I'm going to need to let God work in ways that I've not been expecting. And that's why I wanted to make sure we included these verses of God's great love in John chapter 3. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't come to condemn the powerful, to condemn the wealthy as if like, okay, you've had your chance, now you're, you're done. His hope always that is for repentance, is for change. His, his hope always is that the world might be saved through, through Jesus, through his son. This is, Mary's song is, uh, echoes the words of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. She, there, are, there are connections all over the place to Old Testament, to, to Psalms, to some of the prophets, uh, to, to Hannah's song back in Samuel, uh, another uh, mother who prayed and God, God gave a son, uh, Samuel, who became a prophet. And uh, these are prophetic words that she's proclaiming here. Again, young peasant girl, probably teenager, and uh, the Holy Spirit speaking through her, speaking through older Elizabeth, speaking through younger Mary, God at work. Oh, but, but God, does not, God doesn't even condemn Zechariah. You know, I forgot, I should come back to Zechariah. He was silenced for months, but then eventually after this, if you read the rest of Luke 1, you'll read that the time comes, Elizabeth gives birth, the baby's there, and when it comes time to name the baby, and they're all like, you know, oh, let's name him Zechariah you know, after his dad, and, and Elizabeth's like, no, no, his name's going to be John. John, what are you it's not a family name for you guys. And like they turn to Zechariah, are you sure about this? You know, because they won't listen to the mom. You know, they turn to the dad. And, uh, and he writes on a thing, yep, his name is John. And then poof, now, now that finally what the angel has said is, has happened, 
his, his tongue is loosed or whatever. He's able to speak, and he, and he then is able to join in and to proclaim what God is going to be doing through his son, John, to recognize, to acknowledge, to, to proclaim the good work of God that's happening there in their midst. God's goal is not to condemn any of us. No matter if we've been part of the solution or part of the problem, no matter if we've been on top of the world or at the bottom of the, of the world, no, no matter which rung on the ladder we've been living on, no matter even if you've been stepping on the fingers of the people on the rungs below trying to climb up, if you have been the, the best possible version of yourself or the worst possible version of yourself up to this moment, God doesn't send his son Jesus into the world to condemn any of us, but to save us, to help us leave our, our love of power, our love of wealth, to leave our love of those things that, that keep us propped up, or where we can get what, arrogant and, and prideful. Jesus comes so that we can let go of that, so we can embrace what he's doing here in the world through his son, Jesus Christ, so we can keep our eyes open and our ears open for the ways God is at work in unexpected places and through unexpected people so that we can, well, as we said at the end of that candle reading, so we can remember the love that God is extending to all and live out that love to the world around us, especially to those so often overlooked by the world. Um, one of the things I was listening to in my ears this last week was talking about the church and the reputation that we have in the world and, and the way that for some folks the, the church just seems less and less uh, necessary, I guess. You want to do good in the world, there's plenty of nonprofits out there. You can do good in the world, and we're happy to partner with, with many of them, right, to do good in the world. If somebody cares about people, cares about an issue, you don't have to come to church to, to care about people. You can, you can care about people out there and, and through an institution or otherwise, you know, just on your own. And, and quite a few folks, especially uh, now that we are a couple generations away from uh, the I want to reach back to like the 60s and to Watergate and all the, the disenchantment with authority and disenchantment with institutions and, and all of that that, 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 is, that is pretty well established now, you know. And, and folks like myself and folks younger than me, um, especially the, the folks younger than me, are growing up in a world where it's just like, why, why would we need this at all, right? My hope is that we as a church, that we as the people of God, uh, gathered together, and scattered in the community throughout the week, that we as the people of God can demonstrate God's love in a way that, that man, people just can't help but, but be struck by it, that touched by it. And you guys do this so well. I mean, I hear stories about the ways that you are at work throughout the week, in the, in the organizations that you volunteer with, in the ways that you treat your neighbors, in the ways that you are just at work being faithful and letting God's love flow through you, letting God's grace flow through you uh, throughout the week. And I think we do a decent job of it when we gather together, too. Uh, when we pool our resources to, to work through Habitat or through World Vision or through First Contact or through any other, other organizations that we partner with to, uh, as ways of doing good in the world. As you give generously to provide for, for folks who don't have as much as you do, whether they're in our congregation or out of our congregation. I feel like you guys do a, a really good job of that. And, and I'm excited for the, for the new year. We've got a... Uh, uh, a series called Bless. It's connected with a book, uh, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. And I'm excited for us as a congregation to go through that in January. But first, before we get there, and we get to celebrate Christmas, 
Christmas Eve together. We get to gather together right here for those of you who join us on Friday. And we get to celebrate the amazing way that God has entered in, that, that when God shows up, it's not, it's not coming from Rome, D.C., I guess, Washington. It's not coming from Jerusalem, um, from wherever, you know, church, powerful places of religious authority. When God shows up, it's right in the midst of the messiness of life, coming to ordinary people, shining his light in ways that are not overwhelming. But as that light spreads, like we will do with the little candles on Friday, as his light, as his love, as his joy, as his hope, as his peace spreads through the church, through you, in all those small ways throughout the week, it's a beautiful thing. The world is turned right side up as God does his work through his son, Jesus Christ, and through this body of Christ in the world today. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for this song of praise, this love song, this, this song from someone that we might not have, not have listened to if it hadn't been captured here in scriptures for us. Thank you for the ways that you continue to, uh, to pour out your Holy Spirit on unexpected people. How you continue to speak uh, from unexpected directions. And God, we do pray that you will help us to listen to uh, the people around us. That you will help us not to ignore the folks different from us. That you will help us to have eyes open and ears open to see, to listen. So that we can hear your voice and what you are trying to communicate to us. We don't want to miss your voice speaking to us, God. And I thank you that today in this song of Mary, no matter who we are, no matter what our position on the social hierarchy, God, you, you have a word for us today. Thank you that you speak words of encouragement to those who have, uh, have been pushed aside, who would fit that, that category of, of lowly or hungry or humble. God, you know we have plenty of those right here in our midst, in our congregation. Folks who are praying along with me right now and saying, thank you, God, for notice, noticing me. God, I pray that you would help them to, to know that you are with them, especially this time of year, that they would know your love and your grace and your presence. May they find that um, here in the, in the community of, of a church family, and may they find that by your Holy Spirit just reaching out and embracing them, never leaving them alone, letting them know that they matter to you. God, thank you for speaking to, uh, to those of us who don't feel that way, to those of us who have more than enough, more than enough stuff, more than enough voice, more than enough uh, power. God, thank you for speaking to us as well and reminding us that, that these are gifts to be used to bless others. That, that if these lead to us having uh, arrogance and pride, that, that we can be scattered just as easily as uh, the Roman Empire eventually was scattered. Thank you, God, that you don't condemn any one of us, but instead you, you welcome us to be saved, saved from our sin, saved from our selfishness, saved from a world that would just as soon step on us as, as anything else. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. 
for your grace that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. We are so grateful to celebrate that love today. God, we are, we're grateful that we get to celebrate that in the sacrament of communion. We offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Remembering that, Lord Jesus, you didn't come just to be a, a cute little baby in a manger that we pull out once a year and, and you, know, oh. you came to be king. And as king, you showed a different, a different way of being king. You showed that you were king of a different kind of kingdom. A king who comes to serve, to give, even to give your life. We remember that on that night that you um, celebrated with your disciples, during that meal you took the bread and, and broke it and blessed it and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You gave them the cup and you said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. And so today, God, we offer you ourselves in remembrance of your great love. We, in response, give you all of who we are. We give you the good, the bad, the ugly. God, we thank you for your many blessings and we thank you for your grace. We acknowledge our need of your forgiveness and all the ways that we have not been living this out very well in the world. Thank you, God, that when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful, you are just, you forgive us our sins, you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you do not condemn, you save. So thank you, God. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for washing our sins away. Thank you for transforming our lives by your Holy Spirit's presence so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your sons and daughters, as your hands and feet. Thank you, God, for inviting us to partner with you in the amazing work of love you're doing in the world. You've begun this in Jesus at his first coming. We look forward to you bringing it to completion at his second coming. And until that time, may we continue to be the body of Christ. May the spirit of Christ continue to work through us to move us toward that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I've asked Pastor Judy if she will come and, and, uh, and serve the communion elements today. I've got just a little bit of a scratch. And so I don't want anybody to be like, oh, I think I heard him cough earlier. Um, so <clears throat> Pastor Judy is going to be the one here with the elements. Uh, as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the, and the gluten-free and the little individual uh, things that you can take back and, and peel back and get to the bread and peel back and get to the juice. Or if you don't want to join the procession, but you do want to celebrate communion today, we also have those uh, on the tables, and you can celebrate that way as well. But let's, um, let's celebrate, and let's give thanks for the love God has shown us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you.
Jesus, release us. Let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every Thank you, God, once again, for the grace that you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. In those places in life where we, we still need you to show up, we've just been singing, would you, would you come? Uh, would you set us free? And would you help us to be agents of your, of your setting free here in the world? Fill us with the spirit of Christ, that we might live in the world as the body of Christ, as your people, filled with your love, filled with your joy, filled with your peace, filled with your hope. All the themes of Advent, God, you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others, so we can bring these to the world as the body of Christ, as your kids. Help us to do that this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Amen.